Welcome to the Your Oxygen Mask First podcast. I'm Erin Young, and this is a space where we explore ways to help the helpers. Because you can't help anyone before you help yourself. So sit back, put your own oxygen mask on, and enjoy the ride. And thank you again for joining us. I am very excited to be talking with some people during this month who have faced some adversity and have either changed their life or built something from that adversity. So today I'd like to introduce you to Andrew Gross. He is an EMT near San Diego, California, and he's going to tell us a little bit about how something in his childhood has turned him into who he is today. So thank you for joining us, Andrew. My pleasure. So tell us a little bit about your work right now as an EMT. Where do you work, if you can say, and <laughs> how how do you, do you enjoy your job? Are you passionate about it? Yeah, so I've been working with AMR San Diego for the past approximately two years, a little, a little under two years. More recently, I started with, it's still through AMR, but I'm contracted through Children's Hospital in San Diego. So most of my contact is actually with Children's Hospital. And that's, it's been really good being with AMR as a whole, but especially more recently with the Children's Hospital aspect of it has been really, really cool and very rewarding. And you like working with the kids? Yeah, it's it's definitely been very different compared to what I was doing. It's like night and day difference, but it's definitely really, really good. Yeah, it's, it's been a good change. And what's the best part about working with the kids and transporting them? The best part probably be, it's, it's kind of something like when I was doing my training for it, because I've only been doing it for maybe around two months or so. But when I was doing my training, something that the people training me would constantly say is, you know, right when you get on scene, everybody just can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. And I was like, oh, that's that's kind of like a cool idea. But I didn't really get what that meant until it actually happened. And just seeing that happen is definitely like just a really, really cool thing to be a part of. Because uh, when we when we get on scene, it's me and a nurse and a respiratory therapist and sometimes a doctor. Without fail, like if it's a really, really sick kid, just walking into the room, you know, doctors and nurses and whoever is there already are just like instantly really relieved. And that's just really cool to be a part of that. So let's jump right in and talk about how you became an EMT. I started EMT school the summer after my senior year. So I, I like right when I graduated high school, I started the EMT course uh, with a good friend of mine. And the course itself was around four months. And then after the course, there's a couple little holes you have to jump through, like getting your ambulance driver's license, and you have to do like live scans and stuff like that. And then you get certified through county and state and then nationally. And from there, I applied to a bunch of different companies, actually. And AMR was the first one who had gotten back to me, and that was good because they were my first choice. So I jumped straight in with them and had my interview. I started working for them probably like a couple weeks after my interview. So that was really nice to just kind of jump straight into it, especially my first choice. So what led you to want to become a first responder? I hear something very interesting happened when you were younger. Part of it was just I, I really did want to be in the medical field just because it's something I'd always kind of been interested in. But definitely the main driving factor was 
when I was 15 years old, so that would be in 2013, I, I suffered a ruptured brain aneurysm. And that's, that's something that essentially just led to me being in a hospital for like a month and just being in that environment. I mean, it was definitely like the first day I was in the hospital to the last day was like I was a totally different person. But just the whole process, just seeing all the different moving parts of what goes what goes on in patient care was just in the moment was really, really cool to see and really reassuring to have that. But definitely in hindsight was something that's like, man, I really want to be for other people like what other people were for me, if that makes sense. So I just really wanted to be a part of that. That's crazy. What got you through that? Well, so the the first week or so, I wasn't even like conscious. It was I was essentially just in a medically induced coma. Essentially, that's what it was. And coming out of that, I was very, I don't know, I, I they basically I was on a lot of like, you know, medications and stuff. So I wasn't fully there. And I wasn't fully sure what was going on. And kind of as the days went on, I was more aware of what was going on and people would kind of say more more of the truth of what was really happening because at first it was kind of like I was just saying I remember when I first came out of the the coma I would say I thought I was at my dad's house and you know my family and friends were saying like oh yeah you're at your dad's house like everything's okay like I had no idea what was going on and then towards the end of it you know I I, I pretty much knew exactly everything that had happened and why I was there and what was going on. Ultimately, just family, obviously, first and foremost, got me through, you know, just being there for me, like throughout the day and even overnight. And then I also had family friends and even some friends from school coming to visit me. And that was just really reassuring just to have people, you know, take time out of their day to come, come see me and see how I was doing. And, and once you got out of the hospital, was it hard to get back to normal life? When I when I entered the hospital, it was it was over summer, and when I exited the hospitals, like right before my my sophomore year of high school, and so when I had entered the hospital, I weighed something like a hundred and thirty pounds, and when I had exited the hospital, I weighed under a hundred pounds because I literally was sitting in bed all day for a month straight, so I had no strength, I had no concept of what was going on in the real world for a month straight you know I wasn't really like talking to people the way I was talking to people before that obviously and so I remember the first day I got out we we me and my family went to go eat at Chili's actually which was like my favorite restaurant I I got what I normally get from there and I, I ate maybe like a quarter of it just because I wasn't used to eating real food and I was just <laughs> super tired and I just wanted to go home and sleep like immediately after. And so like the first couple weeks after that, I just, I, I didn't really do anything. Like I had no energy. I would get tired just from walking around. And so I actually tried going back to uh, the high school I was going to at that time. I tried, you know, just like, oh, I can handle it. Like, I'll just go back to school. Like nothing happened. Because, you know, I didn't really suffer any deficits from it. But, you know, like just the first day of school, I was just tired and I couldn't focus on anything going on in class or like with socially, like I had total social disconnect from like everyone. And so uh, what ended up happening is actually I just I, I stopped going to school because like I just I literally couldn't 
and I took like a couple weeks break during the school year and then I had to start charter school just so I could kind of you know get the credits that I needed for that year for sophomore year I actually ended up doing charter school my sophomore sophomore year of high school because uh, that, that was the only way I could you know kind of get get what I needed done get done you know but now you're an adult and you have overcome everything yes so now that you are a first responder and an EMT does your job and your experiences out in the field ever trigger any moments from your trauma or like bring you back to that time where you were the patient? So like I said, I'm fairly new to the uh, working with kids portion of it. But when I was working with, you know, just the general public, just a few encounters I had really with people who actually had brain aneurysms themselves, whether it was, you know, pre-rupture and it was something they were worried about were post-rupture and it was something they were like living with and there was definitely a couple occasions that are like really vivid memories in my head specifically one was this there was it was like an elder lady who had gone out of the hospital a few months beforehand for she, her brain aneurysm had ruptured too and she was totally fine she could walk and eat and you know everything was totally normal with her like her her brain process she could think and everything but she just couldn't speak and i remember we basically the call was just taking her to a uh a nursing facility but it it like absolutely broke my heart seeing someone who had gone through exactly what i had and we had shared the same experiences but she like totally lost her ability to speak and i remember actually i told her that that i also had suffered from a, a brain aneurysm as well and she like it was it was really pretty powerful but she like she just started crying and and I don't know if it was necessarily because she was she she felt she could relate to me in a, a good or maybe she was like in a good way or she was upset because, you know, here I was her caretaker, essentially. And, you know, I was doing better than she she was in that sense. But as a whole, it's it's definitely, you know, I think I'm more um, understanding of people that I encounter than, you know, probably your average first responder because I've been there you know and more so than probably the majority of the general public but surely um, the majority of first responders you know so I understand that and I think that's a it's a helps a lot so Andrew what do you wish people know about what it's like to experience trauma firsthand are there any misconceptions or anything you want to lay out for people who've never experienced something so impactful with things that are really, really serious, like serious traumatic events, obviously it's really hard to judge what your place is as far as like helping or not helping. And, you know, you could say things like, oh, I'm, I'm here for you for whatever you need. But that, that also doesn't always, you know, work just because that person may not be able to express that to you. So I think just ultimately the most important thing you could do would just just always be readily available if you're able to do that you know if, if like if that's something you want to do because I know like for me 
when I was in that situation, like there was times where I had people like trying to help me and wanting to help me, you know, like friends and family. And all I wanted to do was just push them away. And, you know, I, there were times where like, I was, just, you know, really mean and, and hurtful and those people, you know, family, especially they're very understanding and, and stuck by me regardless of how I was being. And ultimately that was the most I could have, you know, asked for in that situation was just to have people there for me and just unconditionally by my side. That makes total sense. Yeah. And it's that's gotta be really, really hard. Like I said, it's it's just it's difficult with just traumatic events to know your place. And I think the best thing you could do is just put yourself out there and just say, you know, you may not even know what you want, but surely I don't know what you want. But just when the time comes, you know, just be there for whatever that is that that person needs, you know? What do you think is the best part about being a first responder or more specifically an EMT? I feel like it's kind of a cliche answer, but just being able to help people, you know, when they're when they're at their worst. Or for example, like when I'm when I'm working with kids and sometimes the kids are so young it doesn't really they, they don't grasp the concept that, that you're there helping them when they're at their worst, but even just their parents being there for them when they're at their worst, you know, when their kids are sick, that's just that's a really good feeling to know that you can you can give someone the best possible care and the highest level of care that they could get. That's just that's just the ultimate satisfaction. And I know you're still just getting into your career, so you haven't had time to be jaded yet, and hopefully you will not be. But what would you say is the most difficult or challenging part of your job? And don't say us dispatchers. <laughs> so I, I don't really mind. I was going to say there there's times where um, work can kind of seem like it stacks up a bit. For me personally, my, my schedule right now is I work three consecutive days and then I have three days off and then I work four consecutive days and then I have four days off. Pretty much the way my my week works is like when I'm at work, like that's just my life for, you know, three to four days. Like I don't really think about other things going on. Like I pretty much wake up and my work day starts, you know, like I'm getting ready for work and then I'll do my full work day and then I'll come home and go to sleep just to wake up and do it again. And then my days off is like, okay, this is like my real life. And now I'm living my real life as Andrew grows and like what I like to do and me time, you know, and that's, that's a little, I don't know if it's necessary. It's not, it's not a bad thing, but it's, it is a little weird just because the way I kind of think about it is like, okay, like when I'm going to work, I'm shutting off my, my, you know, half of my life. And now I'm starting my other secret half of my life. It's kind of like the two sides of me. And I kind of just switch between them. And like I said, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is it is a little weird for me to do that. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to remember how to be a normal person. Right. Like go grocery shopping at two o'clock in the morning or you know. Yeah. Get excited having weekdays off because nobody else is around. Yeah. So my my schedule right now actually is I'm I'm working Friday, Saturday, Sunday and every Thursday. So my my off days are days everybody's at work. So that's also kind of a weird thing as well. Cause like when it's like, yay, it's my weekend, everyone's like, oh man, it's like time to go back to work. So. 
Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I hate it, but I, it's just hard for, you know, normal people to understand, yeah. you know, when your weekend is happening, my week is just beginning and it's not fair. Right. So is there anything else that you want to talk about or you want to share anything about your experience as a kid or anything about your experience being an, a new EMT and being new to the first responder lifestyle? You know, want to No. Are you single? Are you looking? Can I help you out? I, I am single. I I got out of a it wasn't too long, but it was a pretty serious relationship. I'm not necessarily looking for anything, but I'm open to anything that that finds me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you heard it here first. Andrew the EMT is very single. Very single. But you have to deal with him hanging out on the weekdays because he's not available to to hang out on the weekends. So. Right. Is there a funny story or a cool story or anything you can tell us about maybe your training or being an EMT or hanging out at a hospital or something that happened while you're in the hospital? I I have some I have a lot of just really bizarre stories of basically the only way to describe it was just me being really, really high on whatever medications I was on in the hospital. So I have a lot of those stories. And it's it's so interesting to me because the way I remember it, it isn't like a foggy, a foggy memory. It's like it's super vivid, but it, it can't possibly be real because of how bizarre it was. But like like, for example, there were times where I was laying in bed and I was absolutely positive that I, uh, my dogs that I had at the time were like in bed with me under the covers and stuff. And it's interesting because I have, I have one specific memory where like I felt them like crawling over my legs and I was like laughing and cracking up about it in real life. Like I was cracking up as it was happening. So I was like, oh, my dogs are like on me. And it's funny because in hindsight, what that probably actually was, was, um, like, you know, when you're in the hospital for a long period of time, those basically what they do is they put these inflatable wraps around your legs and they basically fill up and then deflate. And it's just to stimulate. I think it's just to stimulate, you know, your your blood vessels in your legs when you're not walking for long periods of times. And so probably what was actually happening while I was super you know, high on morphine in the hospital was those things were just inflating and deflating. And where my mind went was like, oh, it just feels like my dogs are crawling over my legs. And so like, I, I literally like visually saw them crawling over my legs. But, um, you know, obviously, that's not what happened. <sighs> there, there is like a couple day period, like I said earlier, where I, I was absolutely positive that my hospital room was uh, my dad's house. And I, where my mind was at the time was I was, I had some type of injury and my dad loves me so, so much that he wanted, instead of me being at a hospital, he wanted me to be like comfortable and nice and happy at his house. So he had like converted his house to basically a hospital room. So like everything around me, like the machines and stuff were like all things that like my dad had purchased for me to deal with whatever injury I had, which, you know, at that time, like I had no idea why I was there, but I didn't really care because I, I was so, you know, disconnected from reality. But like, as far as like the, the whole room itself, it was like literally my dad's house. 
and uh, there is there is one specific situation where it's part of part of the I don't know what you want to call it like the alternate reality that I was living in because I had no idea what was going on was that one of the nurses that my dad had hired was like out to like steal my belongings and stuff. And so I remember I was like always really mean to this one nurse because for whatever reason, I thought that they were stealing like my belongings from me. And I probably called them out on it, like for stealing my stuff. And it's just funny because they probably were so confused and like, well, maybe they even thought it was funny because I know like I've had patients like that that are just so disconnected and they just say the most ridiculous things and I can kind of find humor in it because I was like, oh man, at some point, like the way I see this person right now is exactly how someone saw me, you know, when I was in the hospital. So that's also kind of interesting. And um, that kind of ties into the fact that I can just kind of relate to that aspect of things probably way more than the average, you know, first responder or EMT or nurse or whatever it is. Did anybody get any of that on video? Because I would pay to see uh, that. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any video. Well, I, I know there's videos from me in the hospital. I don't know if it was specifically from that incident. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, that would have been really good to see. Just I'm, I'm generally like a really nice, personable person, I guess. Like I, I'm really open with, with people I don't know and, and nice with people I don't know. But supposedly I was like really, really, really mean to some of the nurses so it would have been it would have been interesting to see that as well, but I I don't think there's there's video of that unfortunately. Maybe it's for the best though. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for stopping by our little corner and talking to us. I wish you the best of luck on your journey and your career as a first responder, and hopefully we get to check in with you in a couple of years and get to hear some more cool stories. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. And I hope that you found something that really resonates with you. I can't wait to share even more. So please subscribe to the podcast and you can find links to our resources in the description and at youroxygenmaskfirst.com.